Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Sam Unger Real Estate Team, powered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407-790-9957 or visit samsellsorlando.net. What's up, Night fans? Happy Championship Weekend. Wow, what an eight days this has been. What a day for UCF. The highest of highs and in some cases the lowest of lows. Uh, what can you say? Uh, but you, the, the big lead here is UCF is the 2017 American Athletic Conference football champions. Uh, and they are 12 and oh, this is the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. We're doing an emergency podcast edition. Uh, it's Jeff Sharon here with you, it's Eric Lopez here with you. Um, uh, remember UCF underscore Banneret. Uh, don't forget our Facebook page, black and gold banneret.com slash or excuse me, facebook.com slash black and gold banneret. Uh, I'm at Jeff underscore Sharon. Eric is at Eric Lopez Elo on Twitter. Subscribe to us at Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and tune in. Just what a uh, – I wanted to get all that out of the way, man, because like, this game and then, the, and then the entire day right after the game, for about – for what, about three hours after, after the conclusion of the game was just sheer crazy, sheer crazy. The craziest – the, 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 probably the probably the wildest day in UCF sports history. Um, the uh, so so let's set the scene for you here. UCF and Memphis playing in the highest scoring conference championship game in the history of college football. Sixty two fifty five was the final in double overtime. UCF actually had a fourteen point lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, they were up. Um, uh, 48-34, Memphis came back. You go to overtime. Um, Otis Anderson ended up uh, co- uh, uh, scoring what turned out to be the winning touchdown, and our boy Eric Lopez, Trey Neal, with right. the interception to seal the deal uh, in the second overtime uh, with Shaquem Griffin applying the pressure. And, um Wow. What a day. Just what a game. And we'll talk about the Scott Frost stuff in a second, but what a game. Amazing. You mentioned Trey Neal. We had him on the show before the year. Remember that? We talked to him mm-hmm. on media day, and uh, he had the first interception of the year, and he gets the last interception of the year, at least at Spectrum Stadium. And uh, really happy for him. Obviously, he was in the podium. I asked him a question, you know, and then I talked to him afterwards. You know, this was the first time, Jeff, 
and maybe uh, that I remember, maybe they've done it in the past for conference championship games, but uh, they allowed the media to go into the locker room afterwards. Yeah. Uh, which, as you know, this having worked there, usually the, the the normal protocol in post game is they bring the players to you. They bring you know the coach and then the players. But obviously, the conference is running this. Uh, but we got a chance to go into the locker room and still talk to some players and that they were not in the podium. Okay, and I see on my corner of my eye is Trey Neal, and you know what he was holding? He was holding that football that he <laughs> picked off. And I asked him, "You're keeping that ball, aren't you?" He's like, "I'm going to try." <laughs> <laughs> um, he, I'm sure I mean, as hell gonna try. I would too if I was him. <laughs> and I think one of the coaches said, uh, "I think they can make that. You know, they can accommodate, some, or they can figure that out, or something like that." I don't remember exactly, but think about this: he'll have uh, that ball the rest of his life. I mean that that'll he'll be he'll he'll be a 9,500 year old man telling his great grandchildren, yeah, ch- telling his great grandchildren about that. So I'm I'm happy for him. I'm so happy for these players, man. Um, yeah. what a, and to do it the way that they did, you know, this game was sort of a microcosm, I think of the year in a way where you jump off to the, they jumped out to the fast start and then you could kind of see some erosion as the game kind of went by. And, uh, and you could just like, you could see some sort of a little bit of erosion, even though UCF just kept winning. Um, but you know, suddenly, um, you, you know, you're there in overtime and, you know, anything can happen in these overtimes at this point. And uh, um, but but they made the de- key defensive play when they needed to. Some numbers that, that I wanted to pass along, by the way, Mackenzie Milton, which who is the most out, uh, most outstanding player. Did you agree with that? Did you agree with that? I uh... and by the way, by the way full, full disclosure, um, I'm sure everybody saw obviously followed you and Murph on the blog. Mm-hmm. I was working the IMG radio broadcast, the national broadcast, I was doing spotting work. So obviously I'd have no idea. You know, I don't know what the the talk was outside the universe, if you will, as far as all that stuff. But I just from the naked, I was surprised. I mean, I get it. He's the quarterback and all that. But mm-hmm. considering the turnovers, I was surprised um, that he was chosen. But I guess the counter argument is if you don't give it to him. I mean, you know, certainly Traquan was big, but so was Nelson. I would have uh, given it to Otis Anderson if I had a vote. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah he had I 15 he, carries yeah. for 113 yards and a touchdown. He, that, that, he had that 62-yard run that was big. Milton uh, was 28 of 40 for 494, five touchdowns and three picks. All three of them were really critical. Two of them were down on the goal line. And, uh, and, the, and the third one was with a few seconds left when UCF had a shot to – you know, get get a couple of completions and get into field goal range before the end of regulation. Yeah, and he threw a bad ball to absolutely nobody in particular, but to but a Memphis defender, and then uh, and then you know there was a defensive play at the end of that game that for, at the end of the regulation that forced it to OT. But um, uh, but he did also run for sixty eight yards and a touchdown. Um, Traquan Smith, another monster game, six catches, 161 yards, two touchdowns. Dredrick Snelson had, I think, probably, I, I was about to say his best game is tonight, but it was also his worst game is tonight. He was really, it was really just an up and down day for him because he finished with nine catches for 145 and two scores, but he had a critical fumble and he had, and one of Milton's interceptions on the goal line went off of his fingertips. Um, right. And UCF, uh, was trailing at the half for the first time all year, thirty-one yep. to twenty-four, and they uh, still managed to come back in the second half and uh, and, and win it. Um, 
there were so many just so many crazy things that happened in this game. Get, aside from what I'm guessing, this is the Trey Neal interception. What are you going to remember the most about this? I will remember the Trey Neal pick. Obviously, that's everybody's memory. Uh, you know, you know what I found interesting in Scott Frost's. Well, we don't know if it's his last, you know, last game in total with UCF, but his right. last, we'll, we'll just call it his last home game for now, right? <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> I I thought it was I'm ironic, maybe poetic, intriguing that when the Knights were down in overtime, what was the big play they went to? to get back in it and tie it up. And then they used it again in the second overtime. You remember what it was? Uh, what was it? Cause it, there were so many The pitch play, the pitch. Oh play. yeah. The option, the option, the option, who was the master of the option in Nebraska? Scotty Frost. Isn't that, I mean, isn't that oh, crazy? You, yeah. It's funny how is you it, can, it, it's funny how it all comes back to that. Doesn't it? It, it, and it's, and that's the funny thing about it is I've made this comment over the last couple of years since Scott Frost has come here. But people, I've always maintained that he runs the the spread offense, but it's really like the option, but yeah. in the twenty first century with the quarterback in the shotgun. Right, and he's, I think he, he what he done some, is he took the he took the, his his Nebraska option principles, yes, and and he put it in a in a in like a beaker and then dropped in the spread offense and put that in the beaker and kind of shook it up, and this is what you get. And I thought that was it was amazing. You know, everybody talked about all the big plays and when your season, you know, backs against the wall that you're running those type of plays in critical moments. And, and mm-hmm. I was just I just found that amazing uh, from that standpoint. Uh, it was just remarkable, and you know, how they responded in that overtime. Did you think like I, we were in the press box, uh, at least in the booth, we thought for a second that he was going to go for two. We were waiting to see if he was going to go for two, kind of like what he's done at times this year to see if he was going to try and end it by two. He did not, and I agreed with the decision. But it was interesting that people were thinking about, oh, he might go for two uh, in that scenario. But it was funny. He kind of went to that option pitch play uh, with Otis Anderson. I got him agreed with, I think, Anderson and Killings. Uh, And maybe that's why they didn't get the MVPs because, again, Killings was good and Anderson was good. Maybe that's why they just decided on Melton because it was easy. But uh, it was a complete team effort, and, and I'll certainly never forget that. And uh, you know, but obviously it, it was just, uh, it was just the thing. It was just a back and forth game. Uh, it was wild because there was a moment in the second quarter and you mentioned the Snelson fumble. Mm-hmm. I remember I was working the Tony Pike, who I think, by the way, is a fantastic analyst who might, I think, hopefully, I think I wouldn't be shocked that a few years from now, he's like working that, you know, national TV if he wants to, I don't know. He's very good. And UCF was remember it was up ten, and where they have the ball, and we were th- we were looking at each other like this could be the moment right here. They break this open. Yep, uh, um, and it didn't they happen. Had a, we had, they had something. a couple shots to break it open. Memphis well, had a shot to break it open too. I thought in the uh, in the second quarter, um, right before uh, right before the half. Um, but then there was a really curious play call that Mike Norville made, where they on third down in the final seconds before the half. They elected to run the ball when yes. Riley Ferguson hadn't missed a throw yet, and, yeah. and if you, and if they were and if they went they were up four at that time. You go up eleven at the break, and UCF is really I agree. is really in, in deep trouble. And, yeah, normal. Uh, and, and, then, and then on top of that, one, one quick thing I wanted to get that in. On yeah. top of that, um, and Brian Murphy's going to join us here in a second. On top of that, that then they come out. 
in the uh, so they get they kick the field goal to go up seven at the half, and then coming out of the break, they run an onside kick, and UCF is ready for it and they pounce on it, but it was like bang bang. Those are two yeah. really I thought ill-advised coaching decisions by Mike Norvell at the end of the first half and the beginning of the second. I agree. And didn't you think he got conservative in that last drive? And I'm talking about before, you know, the one that set up the field goal that was missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he got conservative there where I'm like, you're not in field goal range there yet. And and he it was almost like he was worried about, I don't want to give the ball back to UCF. But, you know, we were talking in the booth. But that's you know the problem, and this is the problem when you run all these up tempo things. You're so accustomed to that that sometimes when you slow yourself down, you're actually slowing the offense down. Even though, yeah, uh, you know, I, I thought they were very conservative there. I understand why he was trying to chew up some clock and maybe trying to just make sure UCF didn't get the ball. But it almost backfired. UCF got the ball back, and then Milton threw the interception. But I was surprised they were as conservative as they were in that moment because I I was with you. I thought Ferguson. With Miller, I mean, my God. I mean, we've heard, we've had Murph on here, and I'm sure I'll let him elaborate. I mean, that's his yeah. boy, Anthony Miller, showed why. He <laughs> yeah. was phenomenal. He's going to be, we're going to be seeing him for a while on Sundays uh, after this. The, the end of regulation was nuts, too, with the initially the, the blocked field goal that wasn't because there was a delay of game call on uh, Memphis that backed him up five yards, actually get, cut them a break because they actually got another shot at it. Um, and then, and then they missed the field goal, and then the interception, and then the sack, and then there we went to overtime. And then, of course, two, two overtime sessions later, Trey Neal with the pick. By the way, here's Mark Daniels' call of Trey Neal's interception. One receiver left, one receiver right. Second and goal to nine. Ferguson drops, pumps, throws, pass, is... Intercepted! 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 It's over! It's over! UCF win! It's over! Trey Neal picks it off! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! What a play! Oh! UCF wins! 23 with the pick! Trey Neal! Bedlam! The Knights are still undefeated. 62-55. The American Athletic Conference champions are the UCF Knights. Wow, talk about, like, you know, (laughs) <laughs> losing your mind there for a hot second, Mark Daniels and Gary Parrish on the call for the UCF uh, for the for uh, for um, UCF Radio Network. Stick around; we'll be right back after this. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Sam Unger Real Estate Team. Sam and his team proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. Powered by EXP Realty. Sam is a proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and fans, he's such a dedicated Knight fan that right now, if you work with him as your realtor, he will donate a portion of his commission to the UCF Football Excellence Fund in your name. The real estate market here in Central Florida has been on the move for some time now, so if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, Sam's got you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. 
So give Sam a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit him on the web at samsellsorlando.net. Again, that's samsellsorlando.net. You can also reach Sam on Facebook at facebook.com slash samsellsorlando. Get in touch with the Sam Unger real estate team today and make finding your dream home a reality. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the black and gold banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF Sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF Sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on! Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Brian Murphy is actually here with us now. Uh, he, he and I live-blogged the game earlier. Um, and, of course, Eric was doing his thing uh, with the uh, spotting for the national radio Murph broadcast. Working, me and Murph were working overtime, man. We had yeah. Murph, I mean, Murph, we, were, we didn't expect the doubleheader when it came to press I know, I know. And, and we'll get to why in a hot second. But, uh, but Murph, I wanted to toss the ball over to you. I mean, this, this insane football game. You know, 100 and, 117 combined points. I think, I think was it 15, almost 1,500 total yards of offense. Mm. Um, and the wild, wild finish. Um, is this, I'll throw this actually open to, to, the, to the both of you. Um, is this the, I mean, we thought last week was the greatest game of, uh, in UCF <laughs> history. Where does this one rank? <laughs> It's probably no lower than second. I imagine <laughs> uh, it's got to be right. Like right? so, it's 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 got the points and the offense and the crazy finish of of last week. It doesn't have the rivalry component, but it has a conference championship component. It's sort of, you know, I, it's really. I, I've been thinking about it. Like it's really hard for me to pick which game uh, was just was is more significant in the history of the of the program. I think in time it'll probably end up being this game, not just because of of the conference championship, but because this was the the, the last game. Uh, yeah. Well, we think we think the last game of the Scott Frost era. Right. Um, there's an article that went up on the Ringer, which is Bill Simmons's site, almost immediately by Paolo Ugetti, uh, where he said that uh, the headline of it is UCF Memphis was the perfect football game. Um. 63 combined first downs, 15 touchdowns, 117 total points, 1,479 combined yards of offense. And uh, UCF is most likely going to the Peach Bowl um, as a result of this. I mean, we, we were um, – <laughs> this, this is a great analogy. He said this, this game was like watching the Spider-Man twin meme come to life. <laughs> and, uh, it is. <laughs> and, and, yeah, um, uh, on 14 different occasions, UCF and Memphis gained at least 30 yards or more on a play. Um, Riley Ferguson, 471 yards off or not. We talked about your boy Anthony Miller, Murph. Um, 11 for 154 and 2. 
He's the player of the year. With all, he's the player of the year. He's the best player he's, in the conference. Uh, with all due respect to McKenzie, I mean that guy. Some of the catches he made. I mean that fourth down catch to give his catch. team a chance. Yeah. Unbelievable, unbelievable player. Yeah, it I mean, just, props to you, Murph, because you saw you you knew you were talking about him way back in September. I think before even a lot of people knew about him. And you know, I and I said it in the preview. I think I said it on the podcast. What I wanted to see was Navelle Clark. And Mike Hughes against Anthony Miller, and uh, it was a lot of Navelle Clark. From what I saw, a lot of Navelle Clark yep, on Anthony yep. Miller, and and Navelle Clark lost badly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he did not belong not covering lot. to Anthony Miller. That that was for sure. No. And then and then they put Hughes on him, and and he beat Hughes for a touchdown on a on a play where I thought Hughes was his coverage was perfect, and yes. and Miller yeah, still I mean, got the pick, or Miller still got the catch rather. Mm-hmm. I, I had the job of spotting, so I had to play real close attention a lot of times on those pass plays to who was gar- covering Miller. And I swear, a majority of those times, you mentioned Clark had a tough day in his defense. He had a lot of good coverage. It's just that either Ferguson made the perfect pass or Miller made an incredible coach. They had great chemistry, Ferguson and Miller. They've had yeah. great chemistry. They played a long time. I mean, there were some catches and throws they made combination there that I was like, wow, I can't believe they pulled that off. And, yeah. uh, so I'll give those guys a break because I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, what else they could have done? I mean, Miller's just a, a beast uh, on that. Uh, but look, I, I, I think this. I think from an overall football game, you could argue that Memphis UCF is a better game than last week. Because okay. last week there was a lot of blown coverages and misassignments and kind of wackiness. Uh, whereas this game, I mean, this thing at one point, you know, we thought UCF was going to blow Memphis out. Then Memphis goes on a run. And now you're thinking, well, Memphis might take control. Then UCF gets control back again. And then Memphis makes a – now you think Memphis is done in the fourth quarter down two scores, and they make a run. Um, it was back and forth, and you really didn't know who was going to win this game until Trey Neal made the pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, heck, if, if, if they don't stop him there, we might still be playing right now, and Murph and I would be passed out and it would be past 10 late, but um, – they, they, They'd be stretching fans out of the, out of the stadium. I, I – <laughs> I, I will say this: those are the two best games in that stadium's history. Uh, no so I can update my list. I can if you, uh, you you both are editors. If you want to update my blog, I did way back in the season when I did the top ten games in the history of that stadium. Just go ahead and add these two <laughs> games to up top of the list, and feel feel free to edit it, uh, updated version maybe this week. Uh, it's now it's now it's now a top twelve, Eric. It's top right. twelve. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll bump it down to top twelve. We'll see what there we'll see go. what nine and ten are, and then we'll um, just go from there. But I I, th- I think a part of this will depend too on how the season ends. If they go undefeated uh, and win the bowl game, then you could argue that maybe the Memphis game will be the more memorable one because it it proclaimed them to do that. Mm-hmm. But if they lose the bowl game. Maybe as Brian as Murph mentioned, because of the rivalry in the USF game and the emotions of that game, I didn't. I mean, Murph, I don't know. You got a better idea today how the emotions were compared to last week because I was in a press box for four quarters, whereas last week I was more able to roam around. How would you feel the the, the emotions and was comparable from the two two games? Different it was, or some? It's. It, I, I thought. I thought. This week was more emotional, but for an uh, but for a completely different and very obvious reason. Uh, I mean, you know, when your head coach at the end of the game is just straight up crying, uh, yeah. it's 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 amazing. It's kind of jarring because Scott Frost is really such a tough guy, and you know he's not really fooling around in press conferences. You know, he's not 
He's not really uh, very jovial. He's very hard nosed, and 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 at the end of the game, immediately, immediately, his his eyes turn red, and it's it was extremely emotional. I think it's extremely emotional for the entire team because they knew what this game meant, uh, not only for the for their for their season and and for them to finish off a goal that they've had since March, but what this meant for the future of their program at the head coaching position and. Um, yeah, I think it was. I think it was. It was more emotional in that today. Scott Frost was the one who was the most emotional. The players yeah. were more emotional last week. Today's was Scott Frost day. Yeah, um, I, agree. I agree. I I've got the uh, and I wanted to get to the sound. This is a perfect segue, I think, Murph, because um, as we this is the timeline that how everything went down. You and I were both following it on the live blog. And uh, and so this is what happened. You you head down with how much time on the clock? I, I went down about four fifteen left. Okay, mm-hmm. about that time, Brett McMurphy uh, <laughs> sends out a tweet saying that, it, it basically confirming what we've known for you know the worst secret in the world, the worst the worst kept secret in the world. Um that Scott Frost would become officially the head coach of Nebraska. Um, yeah. I'm actually trying to pull up the tweet right now. Okay. Um, let's see. Where is it? 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 Uh, here. Okay. Source. Scott Frost has agreed to a seven-year, $35 million deal with Nebraska. But in the days leading up to the today's AAC title game, was still having some quote serious cold feet and remorse end quote, uh, and then he gave credit to Lars Anderson for uh, previously reporting the contract figures. Um, ESPN Steve Levy was calling the game. This is a little bit of interesting controversy. Steve Levy said uh, when he reported it, he said our own Brett McMurphy reports what you just heard. Brett McMurphy no longer works at ESPN. Um, you know, you know, you've been there so long. Yeah. You just Mc, dis- so, so, so McMurphy officially meant, you know, mentioned that. And then, you know, obviously this is, you know, while the extreme, I was, I was about my, my head was about to explode because you had gone downstairs, Murph. I was solo on the live blog at the time. Yeah. And yeah. I am, and I'm balancing like the craziness of what happened in the final, Three minutes and and both overtimes with the fast and furious Scott Frost Nebraska stuff happening at the at, at the same time, um. So, and then and then and then when the game was finally over, we do the dance. Right, it was obvious. Everyone on that podium and everyone in that room knew what was going on, including the including the uh, the players. Um, they're not stupid. Uh, and I think Scott knows that, and you know the players all know that. But but Frost wanted to handle it in what he believed was the proper way, which was going to the players um, and telling and, and telling them himself in person, and not pulling a Jimbo Fisher, Eric Lopez, and uh, <laughs> and 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 telling them himself what basically everyone knew. So uh, Murph, I'm gonna at this point I'm gonna toss it over to you. Give me the t- give us the TikTok of what happened after the post game press conference. We see the tweet from McMurphy, and then just take us take us from there. Take us what happened the rest of the evening. So after we talked to the four players and Scott Frost at the press conference, 
we actually head into the locker room and uh, I talked to Shaquan Burkett, Otis Anderson, get some more quotes. Everything seems fine. You know, so we, we hang around a little bit, see who we can talk to in the, in the, uh, in the locker room. And then after that, we head back up to the box. We're just, you know, you know, I, I came up to finish the live blog with you. We talked on the live blog for a little bit. Uh, this is about five o'clock now, five o'clock in the afternoon. And then around 5.15, an email is sent out saying that Danny White, athletics director for UCF, is going to be having a press conference in the recruiting lounge at 6 o'clock. So, okay, well, we know what this is. Yeah, everyone pack uh, up, head downstairs, and go through this whole this whole dog and pony show again, right? Yeah. Like, come on. We already know. Like, you see Twitter. We know what's happening. So mm-hmm. we had heard that Scott, you know, Scott Frost had told the players, well, he said after the game, after the press conference, but we all knew that what this was so fine we'll head down here and have danny white tell us tell us what we already know and he opens up you know scott you know and then and before the press conference even in before the press conference with danny white even starts we get another email from ucf athletics saying that scott frost has resigned as head coach at ucf football uh you know effective immediately and what you know so it's like yeah okay got it <laughs> mm-hmm. mind you mind so, you one quick little detail this is this is at about quarter to six at, six. at yeah. 5.47 p.m., the University of Nebraska, Husker FB Nation on Twitter, sends out a tweet with a video um, showing all – it's an amazing video if you watch it. It's, uh, it, it's, uh, it. it's got a video of, you know, 1997, a lot of memorabilia in the, in the Nebraska wow. football office. And, and playing in the background is this, you know, Rudy-type music. And and the sound of Scott Frost in his post game interview on CBS after they won the national championship, yes. and him talking about how great Nebraska is and Tom Osborne and the whole thing. The tweet mm-hmm. says, "There is no place like home. There is no place like Nebraska. Welcome home, Coach Frost." And then mm-hmm. and then a link to the the official release saying to entitled Scott Frost to lead Nebraska football program. Um, yeah. well, it, so that's at 547 from there, Murph. Mm-hmm. Well, so we already see that, like I said, Nebraska has officially recognized that Scott Frost, is their head coach, UCF athletics has sent out an email saying the UCF that Scott Frost has resigned as the UCF head coach. So let's just get Danny white in here so we can all go home, please. <laughs> uh, so Danny gets up there on the, on the podium and, you know, we, uh, talks about today and, and just how great today was. And, you know, of course, you know, Scott uh, has resigned and, uh, you know, and then he talks about before we start answering questions, talks about, you know, he wants to start a head coach, a head coaching search uh, immediately uh, and that uh, Troy Walters will be the offensive coordinator. Troy Walters will be filling in as the interim head coach. But well, all of this sounds fine. Uh, and I think it was Bianchi. Mike Bianchi uh, asked, uh, I think one of the first questions was, so how is the team going to approach the bowl game? Uh, whomever it's against. And Danny White, this is paraphrasing. Danny White says, "Well, we're we're going through our options, but Scott Scott was committed to making sure the players finish off the season the way they want to, and that they, they can do the best they can in their bowl game." All right. At that point, we uh, I'm watching this live. You're there. You both of you guys yep. are there. Yeah. And yep. and we're kind of like, I don't know about you guys, but I was like, what the hell does that mean? I I was live tweeting it right. I'm live tweeting it on my Twitter account, and I heard Danny say what he said about you know yes, it's a possibility that Scott Frost 
could coach the bowl game. And I didn't want to tweet it out because I didn't know what I had just heard. A right. couple I people did. I, I think Ryan Bass initially put it out, and then Shannon exactly. Green followed up with that. But it, to me, I, it, was, it was still vague as to what that meant. They went ahead and ran with, like, Scott Frost is coaching in the bowl game. And I was like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes on that just a tad. It feels like mm-hmm. – it. what it feels like to me is there's kind of this agreement like, all right, if you want to coach the bowl game and the players are cool with it, we're cool with it. Mm-hmm. But if not, you know, just just go, right? We'll be fine either way. It, it, it feels like it feels like they still have well, to like. There's some there's some it, the meetings or something that have to take place where where, where they want to figure yeah. out if they want to if if they re- actually want to do it this way. Well, I think they got to figure out the plan and if it's if it if it works for everybody. That's what I think. Look, I, I've been. I mean, it's not a secret. I think Scott Frost wants to coach this game, and I, mm-hmm. and I don't blame him. He wants to finish it here. He wouldn't be the first guy to ever do this. By the way, Urban Meyer did this. At Utah, he was named the Florida head coach. He went ahead and coached the bowl game. That's true. That was now, when Utah and Alex Smith so, beat uh, beat Pitt, I think, in the Fiesta Bowl. Yes, Is that right? Correct. Okay. Correct. The Florida president, Bernie Manchin, you know, they, they were cool with it. And he's like, go ahead, coach. He wants to coach the bowl game. So uh, I know Frost wants to coach the game. Now, the obviously logistics, and I don't know. Well, maybe we'll, we'll get uh, more into this down the road. I think what's the biggest mistake and one of many, whoever decided to do this, the early signing period has proven to be a pain in the blank. All right. You can, mm-hmm. you know, you can put, to me, this is what's caused a lot of this. And I think Scott Frost alluded to that, Murph. Didn't you think so about being forced to make this decision quickly? And I think a lot of people are making decisions quickly here uh, because of this stupid early signing period that's brand new this year in December. And everybody's concerned about it. Um, and I think yeah. that's part of the issue here is now Scott Frost is the head coach at Nebraska. So in theory, he's recruiting against UCF, but yet he wants to coach the bowl game and you've got the early signing period and then he's going to be spending time in Lincoln. So who's going to be with the team? And I think that's why Troy Walters is the interim coach. Uh, but then how does that work and how will they, you know, that's going to be, I think what they're going to try and figure out in the next uh, days and maybe weeks or whatever. And, I, and, and to see if ever, if they can come up with something that would work for all parties. It just, it just, if you try to work it out, it just sounds so strange. And it is. The big part of why it sounds so strange is because Nebraska, I would assume, would want Scott Frost's efforts focused on early signing with the December 20th to the 22nd period. And, you know, shouldn't he be focused on, on that period? Certainly he will be. And during that time, Troy Walters will be the interim coach doing the day to day planning and getting the team ready for the bowl game. But it's it would just it's 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 and and Danny White to throw another thing in here. Danny White, you know, said that the, the coaching search that has started immediately and, and that he has been planning for this for weeks. He wouldn't say when uh, he knew for sure that Frost was going to take the job at Nebraska, but Danny did say that he's been planning for this for weeks. Mm-hmm. He wants to to install a new head coach within days or weeks, and you get the the um, you get the sense that he wants to install the coach before. Before January 1st, so you would have Troy Walters being the interim head coach for the time being. You would have, at some point before the bowl game, a brand new head coach for the Knights who would not coach the bowl game but would be their full-time head coach going forward. And the head coach of the bowl game would be the current 
current Nebraska coach, former UCF coach, now I guess back wearing black and gold for one more night. I assume that Frost in that night would be more of like a figurehead, a guy who, look, because he, he hasn't been around, he's been concentrating on his new job. He'll come in, he'll make a speech. He won't, I don't know how much he'll be involved in the in the strategy during the game other than, you know, sort of what he feels like they should do here in, in certain moments. But he's I, the, the fact that he could be back on the sidelines yeah. on a UCF sideline after the whole, you know, we, we played up as final frost and this is going to be the last one. And then, yeah, the resigned head coach is going to coach again. It's, it's just, it's surreal. And because the early signing period, because of where it is now, it does throw a wrench into that. Because you would think Nebraska would be like, no, we want you fully focused on this. Right. Well, here's, uh, now I found this on uh, Twitter, and I thought this was interesting. You guys are familiar with a guy named Chris Landry, I'm sure. Um, yes. Uh, Landry Football on Twitter. He tweets out the following when all this was going down. This is sort of a series of tweets. Uh, Troy Walters will serve as the interim head coach for UCF in the Peach Bowl. Rest of staff expected to remain in place for bowl game as well, even the ones heading to Nebraska with Frost, which we would imagine would be guys like Eric Shenander and and Mario Verduzco and and guys like that. Uh, Next tweet. Getting some word that Frost will coach the game as well, so we will see. It would be great for UCF kids if that is the case. Can't say enough about how Nebraska and UCF have handled this. Pure class. Okay, sure. Um, Next tweet. This was I thought was interesting. Based on past experience, football programs must always have someone in control over day-to-day operations. Frost will handle that for Nebraska, while Troy Walters will handle that for UCF. Frost's role in bowl games still being discussed by UCF has been given green light by Nebraska. So we can we can assume that in the negotiations that must have been happening between UCF and Nebraska, because obviously there's also a buyout to be handled there, that Scott Frost at some point must have been like, listen to me, if, I, if we get to, uh, to a, a New Year's Six Bowl game, I want the opportunity to coach my guys one last time. And Danny White must have said, hey, okay, fine, if you want to do that, that's no problem. Let's develop a plan. And Nebraska also must have been like, okay, sure, that's fine with us. Um, you know, once December twentieth rolls by, then you'll be th- then you know then let's let's go from there. So it is a little it, it it is going it may look awkward because it's not what we're used to seeing of late. But it sounds to me like now Danny White said that there that he'd been preparing for this from October, right? Mm-hmm. So so they've had plenty of time to sort of put their heads together and come up with a plan and inform all the necessary parties, all the assistants, Troy Walters, Nebraska, et cetera. So Murph, I, uh, that was my thought on, on this is, a, is that Frost was looking at this saying like this, this entire situation just blows and it sucks that it has to go down like this, but we were trying to make the best of what is a difficult situation here. Yeah. And it, it kind of gives a, a little bit of a new wrinkle to those, to those, to those fans out there. And there are many, because you see him on the Twitter sphere who think that Scott Frost is like just leaving UCF so he can get more money. And, and it's all about he's he's leaving us fine. Go. You know what? If he wanted to really leave, he wouldn't consider coming back for these players, for this university, for the bowl game. Right. He really he really genuinely absolutely cares about these players and UCF. I, I mean, it's it's it, you can't even feign that. He really loves the city. He loves this community. 
And, uh, you know, it, obviously I wish people would, would understand more of the human element, but unfortunately a lot of rational fans see players and coaches less as humans and more just, you know, Robots, whatever they want basically. them not to be. Yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately it is what it is. But Scott Frost, to anybody who thinks that he is jilting you or spurning you, he loves UCF, and that's that's why he wants to really help these kids actually finish off this season, even though he is currently not their coach. Yeah. Plus, if if everyone in the room, Scott Frost, Danny White, the assistants, the people from Nebraska, everybody that's there, if everyone in the room came to this agreement that, okay, this is how we want this to be handled, who are we to say no? Right. Mm-hmm. They, th- these, these, right. Are, these are men and this is a business. And if these guys can come up, it can come up with that deal. And and and, and, and oh, by the way, if the players are OK with it, too, that's I think the other thing. If the players are cool with it, too, if everybody in the room is fine, what the hell are we complaining about? Listen, mm-hmm. listen, you're, you're but listen, look, I, I don't you think, Murph, first of all, I, I think Danny White, I think you could tell. I think he feels to win this game, whoever they're playing in yeah. the bowl game, which is probably going to be an SEC school, probably a team from the state of Alabama. <laughs> I think, <laughs> uh, all right, I'll just well, leave we it. we got some that. options uh, on that. <laughs> yeah, I, got, I, can, I can think of two. There you go. UAB. UAB. <laughs> yeah. um, didn't you get the sense? I think he feels that Scott Frost gives involved, gives him his best chance to win that game, which – I think in his mindset is obviously you want to win that game. You want to go undefeated, but also by winning that game, going undefeated, now you get some buzz for next year and with whoever the coach is. So I think part of this is he just feels that Scott Frost gives him the best chance involved to win this game. That's why I think he's going to go for this. Um, And I think, you know, I'll say this. um, If Triple H can work a house show with the Shield after feuding for them for years, (laughs) I'm okay. Yeah, I, I think Scott Frost can wear the jersey. Well, look, let's can we like? It's not like UCF and Nebraska are rivals. I mean, you know, it's not like you know, be one. You know, it's not like he's going to USF. I, I, I got no problems with it at all. And I know some people don't. Well, not going to want to hear this comment. At the end of the day, it's an ex, it's an exhibition game. It's a kind of a bowl game. Yeah, it's important, but it's not the end of the world. It's a great year regardless what happens in that game. So um, I, I'm okay with him coaching the game. I do think though. What I found interesting is that Troy Walters, being the interim coach, uh, obviously tells you that I think there's a chance that Walters stays. Yeah, I think that's I think that's almost a given now. Yeah. Like I, they almost assured that Walters is coming back. Uh, yeah, Eric. I mean, today today was the important game. This was the game that they've been looking forward to since spring ball. This is the game they had to win. They said it all week that if they didn't win today's game, that everything else before it was meaningless. You know, the undefeated season up until this point. So the bowl game is sort of like your your prize. It's 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 what you get as reward for what you've accomplished. They have accomplished everything they have set out to do. We'll see what happens in the bowl game. But I think they that everything they wanted to do this season, they have now completed. They have absolutely now completed. Right. By the way, the Danny, the Danny White press conference was really great. I mean, he had some <laughs> great – he had some awesome one-liners in there. You know, I think it was uh, – Bianchi asked, uh, did you think it was okay for the uh, Nebraska yeah. athletic director to, to, to talk about Scott Frost while he was still your head coach? And And two words – Probably not. That was that was Danny's response. To <laughs> that, that was phenomenal. Well, that was and then he, phenomenal. he also said that you know, like they, they asked him like, what, what, you know, have you received calls from other coaches 
uh, you know, who were interested in the job. And Danny, first of all, Danny said that he, that UCF's head coaching position is probably the most attractive job opening in college football, which he might be very well correct about that. It's, it sure is one of them, I'll tell you that. Yeah. More than we think, we, I think. He goes, yes, we have received many calls from non-Power 6 conference coaches. Like, oh, I see what you did there. Non-Power 6. Non, yeah, well, uh, let me tell you something. Yeah. He knows... He he's 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 got the talking points down, man. Let's give this guy some credit on that. Um, Absolutely. And by the way, Jeff, this is the thing, because you and I, I guess you got into it on social media with some UCF fans that are mad uh, with Frost and how he handled it. And you, oh of course, God. of course, Murph, Jeff brings me into it while I'm at a college cup semifinal <laughs> game. While Amanda Cromwell, <laughs> former UCF coach, ironically enough, is in overtime and I'm, you know, and trying to get to the championship game. And meanwhile, Jeff's like, all right, you, you back me up. I'm like, back you up on what? And I am <laughs> like, oh, my. But I think Danny White has spoken to people. I think he kind of alluded to that a little bit. They've kind of been preparing for this. He's not. You, you, I, what's, I think he's I already about. talked to potential candidates. I, I really do believe that. There's Absolutely. no question about that. I think he has an idea who I think the next coach will be. It's just a matter of whether he can get him or not. We'll find out. But, um, look, people aren't stupid. Like, nobody is stupid on this. Like, when the Nebraska started losing, duh, you knew this thing was going to come to a head. Um, so I, I don't think anybody was, like, really, you know, at least the, that there was involved in this was that blindsided by this. I think they knew that, look, there's a chance he could, you know, go back to his alma mater. And I think Scott mentioned that, uh, or excuse me, Danny White mentioned that over and over again. Like, he's going to his alma mater. He's not going to a better job or better, a bigger uh, situation. He's going to his alma mater. That, I thought, and, was the was the really that, – that, that was the one that I was like, okay, all right, there you go. That's, that's, that's the selling job that if you're Danny White, you're saying, look, right? we didn't lose him right. to a better program. We lost him to his alma mater. Everyone Correct. wants to do that, don't they? Well, it, <laughs> you know? Right, and I agree. Look, and in fairness, um, I do think this is what it's about. I mean, Scott Frost had no interest in the Florida job. I remember he kind of had said he had no interest in the Oregon job last year. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was going to go back to Oregon. Some people are trying to throw that out. And I, I think a lot of people just don't get this. They don't get it. This is this is a different, unique circumstances. And I think you pointed it out with that Nebraska video. This is about Scott Frost going back and saving his program and trying to restore that program. Uh, There's a little bit about, uh, there's a little bit about like, you know, if Jim Harbaugh had gone from Stanford to Michigan, would it have gone down the same way? Mm -hmm. You know, as opposed to saying that from the 49ers to Michigan, you know what I mean? Right. Right. I mean, Mark Rick, Mark Rick got fired from Georgia and then later went on to his alma mater in Miami. Right. Kirby, <laughs> you know? Kirby Smart left Alabama to go to yes. his alma mater. That's a great point. I mean, that's been the trend now in college football. I, I think it's a good trend. And I brought this question up to a UCF fan to, uh, that I won't mention. But I'm going to bring this up <laughs> to both of you. All right. Let's, let's, let's assume, guys. Let's say UCF was in Nebraska's shoes and they were like four and eight having an awful year, getting blown out, and they fire whoever the coach was, right? And one of the prime candidates is a guy by the name of, oh, let's just throw out Kevin Smith. Let's say Kevin Smith was a head coach. I, I've, got a good, I've got a good name for you that might be – that. let's let's put this – I actually put his name out there when uh, Frost was, was – uh, right before Frost was hired as, as a possibility, as an interesting possibility. Let, let's say Darren Hinshaw. Because he's a former UC, he's a former UCF quarterback, okay. and he's a, and he's the offensive coordinator, I believe, for Kentucky right now. 
Really? Okay. There yeah. you go. So, well, let's say let's say one of them or whoever fill in the blank on the former UCF alum who's maybe is a head coach right now, and he's eleven and zero, and he's coaching somewhere else. Don't you think that UCF people would be doing the same thing? Please mm-hmm. come back home, restore, help our program. There'd be behind the scenes chatter. Of course we would. I feel like you know it. it, it just to me, I'm not surprised by any of it. Now, certainly. Uh, you know, the AD maybe could have been could have handled certain things better instead of putting some gasoline on it. But whatever. Um, I I don't have you know I think that's what this was about. And by, I mean you know I I don't have a problem with it. Scott Frost did everything he could here. He accomplished everything he could. Even if he stays here, you could argue well he could have done this over and over. But I you know. He's accomplished everything he can accomplish here. They're not going to – I'm sorry to break the news. Maybe UCF fans haven't – if they haven't figured it out by now under this system, they're not going to win a national championship until the system changes yeah. drastically, all right, or we have drastic uh, conference changes or rules or expanding of playoffs under this system, which uh, probably will be around for another decade because college football works very – like glaciers. They're very slow. They just came up with this concept of four, quote, playoff teams. And some would argue this is not even a realist, a true playoff. It's more of an invitation, some would argue, than a true playoff. A playoff, you actually have to accomplish certain criteria to get in. We don't even know what the criteria is to get into this playoff. Right, right. Uh, so, to me, he did everything he could here. Now he's got to move on to his big challenge, a dream job, and trying to restore the Nebraska job. I, I have no problems with it, and I think he handled it better. And, and you mentioned it earlier, Jeff, comparing him to Jimbo. At least Scott Frost is getting on a plane for the new job after the game, not the day before a game right. like Jimbo with Florida State. Murph, what do you think? Now, let me ask you – well, I want to ask you both, actually, this, and, and, and Brian, I'll start with you. Yeah. Um, should Scott Frost be UCF's head coach in the bowl game? Uh, Sure. Yeah, if, okay. it's me, if, it's, if it's me, yeah, I have no problem with it. Like, am I, am I, should I be should I be offended or, or should I say no because he's not officially our head coach anymore? And if he's not going to be our head coach, he shouldn't even coach the bowl game. So get out of here. Because a lot of fans are saying that. Like, <laughs> yeah. They, and that's really, like, I was sitting next to Trace from Nightline during the <laughs> Danny White press conference. And after the press conference, Trace just going through his mentions of just you see a fan or a fan or a fan going, get him out of here. He's gone. We don't want him anymore. Like, oh, please. Oh, stop it. What is this yes. about? That's ridiculous. Let me ask you this question. Fans are irrational. Sports fans are what? irrational bunch. Right. Fan is short would for UCF, fanatic. Would yeah. UCF be – let me ask you this. Would UCF be 11-0 and 0, or 12-0, and 0, excuse me. Would they be 12-0 and 0 if somebody else was the head coach other than Scott Frost right now? No, I mean, I don't know how you could say yes. Well, I don't that's, know how you, that's, yeah. that's a hard question to answer. I mean, uh, it, well, who? That's, that's like going back in time and figuring out, okay, do would they Dino hire Babers, somebody else? Would, D, would, would Dino Babers, who, you know, there was false reports, if you remember, the last time we had a coaching search was some was reports that he was going to be the head coach and that he wasn't. Would a Dino Babers or Jeff Collins or Gene Chizik or, you know, be 12 and 0 today with UCF? Yeah. And I, I think no. And I was one, by the way. And I say that as somebody who two years ago had questions about the hire about Scott Frost. Look, Jeff and I, have, and I'll give Jeff credit. He was he was sold at the beginning. I wasn't sold at the beginning. Um, I think Scott Frost did an incredible thing with the offense. And I think Danny White alluded to it. But the spread offense, the recruiting, getting players in, making UCF hip with the jersey, it all worked. 
it all worked. And I know people internally like Scott Frost. And I think Scott Frost grew into this job. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I give him all the credit. So, you know what? If everybody's cool with him coaching the game and it works, let him coach the game. I'm fine with it. Again, if Triple H can work with the Shield on a house show, why can't Scott Frost work with UCF? We, we've, lost, we've lost oh, Jeff boy. Sharon with yeah. these wrestling drops. Yeah, my, uh, my, my knowledge of wrestling pretty much Do you ended. have a problem with it, Jeff? Do you have I, a problem with it? As long as the players are okay with it, I'm okay with it. And I think they oh, are. And I'm going to tell you this right now. They are. To- the players are totally fine with it. They're totally on board? All right. Then, then I, I those are the kids. The, the kids are the ones who are in the room. And all the people well, on Twitter who are saying, right. like, you know, who were making a big deal of, oh, he's do- he's done wrong by the kids. The only person who knew, the only people who knows whether or not he's done wrong by them is the kids. And if they're like, no, nah, we want to, we want one one last ride with our guy. Then you know what? You get one last ride with your guy. Absolutely. And here's the thing, absolutely. And I think, look, I we, I mean, Murph and I were in the locker room with players, and, and I talked to certain players, and, and to a man, they understand it. They get it. They get it. You know, they, players are they smarter these there. days, and they yeah, the, the players well, are smarter than the freaking fans for crying out loud. It's, and I've said this, and I've said this, I've argued about this on social media and on whatever other platforms this week with people, and it's like you people, the fans are the ones that are creating the distraction, not the players. The players are fine. Players are accustomed <laughs> to blocking all this stuff off. These people, the players play under thousands of people either yelling at them, cheering at them, booing at them. They block all that off. They understand how to de- – that's what makes them great. That's why we're not athletes. We can't block that stuff off, but they can. Mm. Parents are usually the ones that have a more stressed about it than players are. But I think players get it. Look, I've talked to a number of those players. They owe a lot to Scott Frost, and you guys brought it up earlier. This program was winless. Some of these guys weren't even given a chance to play under the previous regime. Scott Frost gave them all a fair shake, gave them a shot. Shaquem Griffin um, at the top you know, of the list. Shaquem Boy, and, and I don't think it was an accident. And I know, Jeff, you and I, we might have even I don't know if we, I remember. I think we might have brought it up on the air. Maybe we didn't in the last episode. I know we talked about it off the air when they beat USF. That team gave him a foot a signed helmet by the team with Shaquem Griffin giving him the ball, uh, the, the helmet. And I, I don't think that was an accident. I think the players deep knew, oh, hey, coach, we hope you stay. But we appreciate what you've done. I think that was a just in case situation. Those guys love those uh, Scott Frost. I, I don't think, and I think Scott Frost has shown that he's authentic about the play. Say what you want about what's transpired. He cares a lot about these players, and and the players know that, and they and they know that he has their back, and they res- admire him completely. And I think they would want him to stick around for at least one more game. And you guys saw, maybe you didn't the the tweet that well, uh, Brandon Helwig retweeted someone who reported uh, that Scott Frost told his players he was leaving for Nebraska and he could hardly say the words because it was so hard for him to say it. And Brandon said he heard the same, that he heard that this was happening. There were players crying in that room. Uh, look, it, it affects everybody because this, this team really cares about itself, the, 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 each other. The coach really loves the coach, loves the players, and the players yeah. love the coach. I mean, what else do you want? Yeah. And what a well, contrast and I, and I that is to what we saw just two years ago, huh? Boy, how about you, yeah? How about Jakeem Griffin when they asked him today after the game? They go, "What's the difference for you from the winless season to now?" And he just goes, "Being able to play." Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a, well, that's and, a loaded, loaded sentence right there, boy. Let me well, tell you. And, and, and and this is the thing too, guys. And I think you could almost make this a hallmark movie in a way. I think Scott Frost 
when he arrived here, I, th- I think in his back of his mind, he always wanted to go to Nebraska. I don't think that's a hard part. But if he ever got, he got the shot. Correct. But I think the way everything transpired so fast, I don't think he thought this team would be this good this quickly. I don't think he thought the Nebraska job would be open right now. I think this was a lot tougher decision for him now than it was. It would have been, say, two years ago. Because I think he got, I think he got hooked by the players, and he got hooked by the area. So this actually was a lot more tougher decision for him than it would have been on paint probably two years ago. That's it, it's an effect. It's one of those movies where like, oh, he's got this, you know, deal, and as the movie, tri- you know, kind of develops, he gets a soft touch for this, and all of a sudden, oh no, I gotta go type of thing. But it's like it's an emotional thing. It's really, uh, I think he generally. Had had a tough time leaving this. I think he felt though he had to do it, and and because he's a dream job. And if he doesn't do it, he'll ha- he'll second guess himself later. Um, but I think he genuinely loves the players. I think he loved the people he was working for. Uh, and I think he that he mentioned it in the press conference. He's not gonna he's gonna retire in Orlando. He he's gonna I think he's gonna keep a house here. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's he kept saying the same thing over and over again about how this you know about how he just loves this university. He loves this place. He loves the city, um, and I'll you and know, I, and, and, I'll, and not, I'll. It's not coach speak. It's not coach right. speak at he all. He really that's, does. That's he really does. And by all accounts, and I've talked to you know, and and some of the folks that we've talked to that are in the athletic department, Eric and Brian, and I know the folks that I've talked to said the same thing. Like, you know, they listen. <laughs> the the people who think that he's just that that this is a stepping stone for him. You have no idea how hard it was for him because he's told us it how really hard was. it was for him. It really was generally hard. Yeah. And, and like he could barely get through these press, that press conference after the game. He, he was, he could barely get through the interview with Todd McShay on the field afterwards. And, yeah, uh, I, yeah. and, and, and that's, that, that's not, that's not alligator tears, man. That's genuine. And, uh, you know, I'm sad. To, I really am. As an alumnus, I'm sad. To, I'm actually watching some of the press conference. Now. Um, you know, as a fan, I'm very sad to see him go because, I mean, what you know, look what he did in two years, right? You know, and and the the folks at Nebraska, you know, my, you know, I boy, I hope that they treat him well because uh, you know All he's right. treated he's treated us well, and. Um, you know, and they're 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 lucky to have him. They're lucky to have him back. Um, so that's, you know, it's it's sad to see him go. Well, By the same token, we're gonna, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be something interesting to see uh, what happens next. Go ahead, Eric, and then we'll do our last well, question I, here. Well, my thing is this: I think it's ironic, and maybe it's fitting. It's full circle. Twenty years ago, all right, twenty years ago, UCF played at Nebraska when they were an independent, uh, and they led Nebraska. At halftime, I remember that. It was the, this was the first time I ever heard of UCF. I was watching. I don't remember the football game I was watching, and they were giving the score update that this school, UCF Central Florida, was leading Nebraska mm. at the half in Lincoln. Well, and well, I'm the, like, whoa. Well, the, well, the, the lead of that, because I remember that, the lead on that was, oh, my God, Nebraska's in trouble, and it's something called Central <laughs> Florida. Correct. Uh, in Lincoln. And, and the quarterback for Nebraska was Scott Frost. Mm-hmm. And ironically enough, you know, you, Nebraska did come back and win. Uh but I and I've talked to people. I think Jerry O'Neill. I've talked to about this. Mark Daniels. I've talked to about this, and people that were there. And, and it's kind of unfortunate because I know that the both sides of the fans have gone at it on social media, and that's the way it is now in the today. But I think some people may have forgotten this. Twenty years ago, when UCF lost, they were heading to the uh, back to the locker room. They got a standing ovation 
from the Nebraska fans, which was like, whoa, that was like a big deal. And I think in a way, 20 years later, you know, Scott Frost, who went to UCF and, and, and people that went to school at UCF remembers this little cliche, UCF stands for opportunity. He got an opportunity to be a head coach for the first time. UCF gave him that opportunity and it, it allowed him to get fulfill his dream. The dream job he always wanted was the Nebraska job. And I think that's what UCF was able to let him. It was a big part of it in having him achieve his dream, which was to be the head coach at Nebraska. And 20 years ago, Nebraska gave a standing ovation to UCF. And I think 20 years later, I think UCF fans should return the favor and give Scott Frost, Nebraska's own, a standing ovation. That's to me how I would, that's how it should be. I was hoping that they would carry him off the field. Um, they kinda, <laughs> well, he was busy jumping they, on players. Yeah, they kinda, he kind of jumped on top of the players so they, it, in the locker room. So I guess that kind of happened. I don't know. But um, this will be the last the thing that I want to end on here. Um, so now we look forward to who's going to be the next guy. Troy Walters is going to be the interim. Um, regardless of whether, uh, 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 regardless of whether Scott Frost is actually coaching in the bowl game or not, I suppose that we'll have final details on that in the coming days or weeks. Um, my question to the both of you is: Eric, we'll start with you. I know I posed this in our last podcast, but I'm putting it up there now. There's a lot of names being floated around out there. Who should be the next head football coach for UCF when we start the 2018 season? Well, I think it, you know, I think it's one of those deals. There's the best name out there right now is Kevin Sumlin. There's a lot of speculation, buzz, if you will. I mean, there was some chatter. Um, I think the belief is that Kevin Sumlin's at the near the top of that list. I would not be surprised. Remember, and Murph has brought this up uh, during this uh, this podcast about that early signing period. I don't think this is going to take long. Uh, I would not be surprised, Jeff, if we're doing another emergency podcast Mm -hmm. in the next uh, 24 to 48 hours talking about the new head coach. And if that's the case, I think it'll be Kevin Sumlin. Kevin Sumlin has won at at Houston. He has won in Texas A&M. I just, you know, A&M can go, you know, they're going to find out, you know, they haven't won a national title since the 30s. Jimbo Fisher is going to find out that it's not so, uh, you know, enjoy the cash there. It's not easy. I thought Kevin did a good job. Kevin's a great offensive mind. I think he could keep this offense going. Remember, he coached Johnny Menzel, the player, and Mackenzie Mill, when he was brought here, was compared to Johnny Menzel. So I would make someone the the favorite. The question is the finances. Will that work? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I could see a scenario, though, where you know, someone's brought in as the head coach. Maybe he keeps Troy Walters as his offensive coordinator, and Walters actually gets to call plays, which he doesn't do currently. Uh, and obviously, I think Sean Beckton, I would, I would be shocked if Sean Beckton, whoever the head coach is, was not part of the staff. So that would be my money on that. Uh, if it's not someone, then it could be uh, probably a, a Mark young marquee mid-major coach that could uh, make a big jump here. But I, if I had to, if you put a gun to my head today, I would say it's someone Murph. I agree. Uh, look, you need a, you need a coach to come that is going to run an offense. These kids can run and someone does that. These kids are made to run the, the spread offense. And, and, and I think you're going to see another uh, offensive coach. Yes. In there, uh, you're not going to see. I don't think you're going to see Manny Diaz, whose uh, Miami yeah. defense is not doing well tonight. 
Um, yeah, but that's I, not. I, I, hey, that's that's not. A, that's a very bad showing right there. You're right about that. <laughs> uh, so you're saying the stock is dropping. Is what you're a man idea. Well, I'm, not, I'm just saying. I don't. I don't think you're going to see a defensive coordinator uh, no. or a defensive coach get in there. You know, obviously in the press box today, while FAU was whooping up uh, on in their title game, you know, we talked a lot about Lane Kiffin because it's just fun for media to consider the press conferences with Lane Kiffin. I mean, it's just it's fun for us. But it, you know, it may not. They may not work personality so, wise. So help me but, God, if if I hear another person on social media know. throw Lane Kiffin's name out there for UCF, I'm gonna I'm gonna start reporting people. It's crazy. <laughs> God, I will, I, I, will, I will give you another name. I'll give you another name because Kyle Israel, our buddy, uh, buddy, former quarterback UCF, oh seven. I think he was on. Somebody messaged me this. Apparently, he was on Nightline's uh, post game show on Burger U after the game. While me and Murph were working, uh, and I guess he brought up that he, the North Texas head coach, Seth Luttrell, as a possible candidate, if uh, uh, to maybe keep an eye on, it, especially if maybe if, if it's not someone, for example. I don't. I mean, Kyle obviously, uh, I respect his opinion and value it, and, and as you know, he's an alum and everything. So just keep that in mind as well. If you want to think of, a, of another name, that's what I, apparently I was, I was messaged, and I did confirm it. Uh, apparently mentioned that on the post game show as a as a name that he's heard. So whatever that means. Yeah, Latrell at North Texas, who got bombed by FAU and uh, <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, the Florida Atlantic earlier today. Uh, Willie Taggart, uh, by the way, uh, uh, a few minutes you- ago tweeted uh, tweets that he's staying at Oregon. He's looking forward to a wow. great day tomorrow with our team. Practice, find out who we're playing the bowl game, 2017 banquet, and then back on the road recruiting. Um, of course, who knows how long that's going to really last, but um, especially if someone decides to throw a lot of money at him. I, I don't know. That didn't really sound like. Um, well, I heard now, I, can you guys confirm? I heard in the press box that was, was Taggart supposedly at the Florida State game? Was I that did not true? know that. I didn't hear anything on that. I didn't hear anything. By the way, I I should clarify that, um, again, this is footballscoop.com tweeting that, or or sending out a thing saying that Taggart announced his return in a tweet on Sunday night, and that was the tweet that he supposedly sent out that they're they're putting putting out as a, oh, he's staying at Oregon. Um, Hashtag the movement 18 was his... uh, was the hashtag that he put at the end Saturday of Saturday night? So this yeah, was not, as of uh, this was this is at ten oh eight p.m. Saturday night. Willie Taggart, looking forward to a great day tomorrow with our team. Practice, find out where and who we play in the bowl game. Twenty seventeen team banquet, and then back on the road recruiting. Go Ducks! Hashtag the movement eighteen. Nothing on there says, "Hey, I'm staying in Oregon," but um, I mean, I guess you could read between read that between the lines. But I don't know. I, I, if I was Oregon, I'd feel a little bit more comfortable if he was a little bit more definitive with that. Um. Yeah, but anyway, I it, um, I, if you're asking me, I I, you know, knowing what I know about Kevin Sumlin, I think he would be a great fit here. Um, I think that uh, I think that it, there's also a possibility that he could do you know kind of pull a Charlie Strong, um, you know where you know wow could you could you even outdo yourself then you know from the previous guy, um. I think there's also with someone there could be a possibility that he could stay longer than certainly longer than Frost did, um, if he feels you know if he feels particularly comfortable here. Um, he was there at Houston for four years. Where you know he's familiar with the American and, and the teams that are around the American. 
Um, I, I think he, I, I think he would make a good fit as far as you know what happens next. Oh God, I don't know. Uh, but that's why they pay Danny White the bid bucks to be the uh, athletic director. So, final thoughts from you guys. You know, the today, you know, was a lot about Frost going in, and then the day wrapped up because it was about Frost with the Danny White press conference. But in between, we had a game in which UCF won a conference championship, and that will remain forever. It was a crazy game that people will not forget. Uh, I know I did ask Danny if this day was somewhat bittersweet because Scott Frost left, and he go, and he basically basically gave me, "Are, are you kidding me?" Yeah. Answer. Yeah. He goes. He goes. We won a conference championship. I'm still picking confetti out of my hair. Uh, and it's true. Like, I know today was ruled by the Scott Frost, you know, uh, hubbub, but today was about football. UCF won a conference championship and finished a season before their bowl undefeated. And the way it's looking right now, if, I mean, if we're recording this on Saturday night at 1045, uh, it looks like that they may be the only undefeated team by the end of the night. Yeah. And, wow. uh, and by the way, it's, uh, um, UCF's fifth conference championship in 11 seasons and the third time wow. that UCF has won or has won outright or at least a share of the American Athletic Conference in the four years that the conference has existed. Elo, your last thought. Yes. So about all those distractions, can we like knock it off that great crew? Oh, the team is distracted. Oh, this was a disservice to the players. Can we can this game finally prove for future in case we go through this again? Because we probably will. Let's be honest. No, we can't because we need that talking point, Eric. We need that. We need that thing to write about, you know, because uh, because if you if you take away the concept of the distraction as a potential factor in, I don't know, any sporting event. No, Who's to blame the, for this? What was, the was hell this else would we write about? <laughs> is this Eric, a Parcells Belichick creation? Who created this nonsense with the distraction storylines? I mean, get Eric, out of here. H- half the job of being a sports writer is narrative setting. We have to set narratives, and this is what we do. We say, well, this is this is an issue. We don't know if it is, but it could be, so let's run with it. And that's what, it's, it's, <laughs> it's what we have to do to, to write to, to fill the inches, to write the columns. You know, it's I, I understand, but you know, we gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. yeah. Well, some, I some, think the players have some faith on the players and the faith on the what was built, and uh, and 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 uh, you know, coaches, regardless whether they were you know they're leaving and everything like that, it's not like they were going to mail it and they want to win a championship. Coaches are competitive people. Players are competitive people. What a tremendous event! And let, let me, I know we obviously it's a UCF podcast, but I want to give credit to Memphis, who yeah. I thought played a fantastic mm-hmm. game, but like it, it takes two to tango and. They were tremendous. They could have easily packed it in a couple of times during the game and been become a blowout, and they turned that into a classic game that people won't forget, and certainly uh, people that were watching this game will never forget it. Who knows? might be the game of the of the conference championship game. So, you know, who knows? Uh, so credit to them. Thank Credit to the American Conference, uh, putting on a great show. Uh, and, you know, like I said, it's just uh, it's a fun day, fun year. Uh, let's just keep it rolling to at ATL, baby. Yeah, Jeff's old stomping grounds at Georgia. Maybe. Well, they, well, they had a they had a pretty good football game earlier today with Georgia beating. Uh, okay, uh, there we go. Georgia beating uh, Auburn. Well, hopefully, hopefully the stadium is still standing after tonight. So, um, so we'll <laughs> see. But anyway, so all right. Well, that's going to wrap us for this emergency podcast. Uh, UCF is the champions of the. American Athletic Conference in football in 2017, and the Knights are 12 and 0. They're going to a bowl game. Uh, 
we will find out exactly which bowl game they are going to uh, tomorrow. That would be Sunday, December the 3rd, when the college football playoff and the New Year's Six Bowls are all uh, are, are all announced. So be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for uh, also whatever may happen with UCF's uh, head coaching situation. It's going to be a it's going to be a weird month. It's going to be a weird month of December. But um, hey, thirty one days from now or thirty days from now, we'll be playing in a big time bowl game. So uh, that's and that's all. That's never a bad thing, no matter who is in charge uh, at UCF. So. Um, real quick, um, uh, before we go, Eric, what will you be working on before our next podcast early or later on next week? Well, uh, or it could be in 24 to 48 hours. Or we never could, know. Or it um, could be later tonight for all we know. <laughs> right. Um, I'll be at the college cup, uh, Sunday while all the bowl games get announced to watch former UCF coach Amanda Cromwell try to go for a second national title, little black and gold banner and podcast karma. You know, we mentioned Trey mm-hmm. Neal was on our show earlier got the big most uh memorable interception the most uh memorable interception the most important interception in the history of ucf football would you not agree with that would you agree with that the boys uh, the most uh, memorable and important interception in the history of certainly ucf the biggest. football certainly the biggest yep, yep. Uh, and so Cromwell, who we had on in the summer playing for a second national title i'm just saying you know if you come on the program your good good things seems to happen so i'll be working on that and then i will be monitoring to see how the television numbers for the Memphis game yeah. does, which will be very interesting because yeah. I, I, I mean, you guys can speak better than I can. I would imagine social media got with the Big Twelve title game really becoming a blowout. I would imagine a lot of people got kind of glued to this game. It was absolutely one of the, I think that it was one of the top five trends on Twitter at one point was like the MIM versus UCF hashtag right. was certainly trending uh, uh, worldwide or nationwide um, during that 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 overtime period. Right, Murph, what are you working on? Well, I'm working on whatever UCF football is going to throw at me here soon, which could be <laughs> a bowl match. Just glued to our phones for a while. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it could be a bowl match. You know what the bowl matchup is going to be. By the way, it better be the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl because they were handing out Chick Fil A gift cards in the press box it, today. Yeah. So, so you know, it better be chicken the peach sandwiches bowl. raining down from the sky. <laughs> Yo, I'll take my chicken biscuit sandwich. Um, and so we'll see if we got some coaching news. And uh, but we'll we'll play it by ear right now. We really we don't know what's next, so we'll see. Yeah, well, that's what we're gonna just we're we we have we're in that hurry up and wait mode. This is December in college football land. So, all right, let's wrap it up, guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, Brian uh, Murphy. You can find him at spokes underscore Murphy on Twitter. Uh, Eric, you can find him at Eric Lopez Elo. You can find me at Jeff underscore Sharon. You can find us at UCF underscore Banneret. Uh, don't forget, facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret. And stay with blackandgoldbanneret.com for all the latest in UCF's coaching search on the preparations for the bowl game. Pretty much everything you want to know about, uh, you can find out right there. If it's important, we've got it. Um, also, you can subscribe to this podcast on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. Thanks again to our sponsor, Sam, the Sam Unger Real Estate Team. Thanks again to Sam for all of his support as well. And thanks to you, the fans, for your support um, throughout the season. And it's going to continue, man, because we've got a bunch more to finish up here as uh, the month of December rolls on. So for Brian Murphy and Eric Lopez, I'm Jeff Sharon. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We'll catch you, I don't know, when we catch you. We'll probably have some more news coming down later this week. All the best. Go Knights. And hey. 
We're conference champions. Enjoy it, folks. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.